Support comes from Austin Water, helping residents reduce water use while protecting Austin's precious resource during the drought conditions with MyATX Water, providing near real-time water use data, tips, and leak alerts. More at austinwater.org. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hey there, it's Elizabeth McQueen, and you're listening to this song, and I know, I said we were going to take a break until like late October, early November, but then I came at you last week with this interview I did backstage at ACL Fest with Janelle Monet, and now I'm back, this time with an interview I did on the phone with Elvis Costello. I promise we are actually going to take like a break, but cool stuff came my way, and I wanted to make sure you heard it. I also want to make sure you know that KUTX, the radio station where we make this podcast, is in the midst of our fall membership drive. The majority of our funding comes from the community we serve, and since you're listening to this podcast, you are included in that community. And this podcast, it only exists because listeners like you support us and let us make cool things. Okay, so technically, the membership drive doesn't start until Monday, October 22nd, but if you're hearing this before then, we have some cool early bird specials happening. For a sustaining membership of $10 a month, you can get a cool t-shirt designed by the chain-stitched magicians at Fort Lonesome and two plastic pint glasses. You can go to kutx.org slash donate to check out the gifts and become a member. Be the reason this podcast exists. Okay, now to Elvis Costello. You know Elvis Costello, right? His given name is Declan McManus. He's been putting out records since 1977, and he's got a new record out with his longtime band, The Imposters, some of whom, Pete Thomas and Steve Naive, have been playing with him since the 70s, like they were in the attractions. This new record is called Look Now, and it's pretty epic. It has an expansive Burt Bacharach feel, like lots of strings and complex arrangements, which makes sense, seeing as how three of the songs are like Elvis Costello, Burt Bacharach co-writes. Burt Bacharach actually played piano on some of the record, too. Now, I'm a big Elvis Costello fan. Like, I like it all. The early angry rock, the later more intense imperial bedroom period. I loved his classical experiment, the Juliet letters. So I was psyched when I got to talk to him by phone about the record. And I started by asking him why he chose to do the record in this particular style. Your new record, Look Now, it's the first record you've made with the imposters in 10 years. Um, and it's a much different record from Momofuku, which was like the rocking version of the imposters. Um, this has much more of an imperial bedroom vibe. And I was wondering, like, how you knew that was the direction that you wanted to go in. Well, I, I, I suppose that's the closest approximation. I, I would think that was a bad thing if it, if it had anything. I did say uh, when they asked me, can you give us the sort of territory of this record? I said, well, it's sort of as if we have the scope, the outlook of when I did Imperial Bedroom, but with the knowledge and the feeling that I have for music now. I mean, this is a different band. It's, that's 35 years ago. Pete, Steve, and myself have shared a lot of the last 40 years, but one would hope that we had learned how to do something, some things differently rather than just be relying on the same old tricks. You know, it's a totally different approach to rhythm than we ever took in, in the uh, attractions. And that was great. That was the way it sounded then, and this is the way it sounds now. And that's why the record is, you know, not to be facile about it. That's kind of one of the reasons the record's called Look Now, because it's how we, how we sound today. Yeah, I mean, it's a very expansive record. And I, 
And I really wondered, as someone who's played in bands for a long time, I mean, you've known Steve Naive and Pete Thomas. You've played music with them for like 40 years. And so I was really interested to know, you know, what that experience of playing with people who you know so intimately and who know you and have been through so much with you, what it's like to to make music with them. Well, they might, I, I, I guess they're some of my best and most trusted pals in music. You know, sometimes, like anything in a, in, in a relationship that lasts a long time, you don't sense the value of it until things start to happen around you that make you more aware of time. I mean, everybody goes through changes in their life, transitions, or loss of friends and family, and then you... you it's not all just this, you know, a bunch of selfish young men raging around the world causing mayhem. I mean, there's there's more there's more angles to it, you know. There's parts of the the repertoire that are still, you know, that that are the are the remnants of that idea raging around the world making mayhem. Uh, but they're, they're contained in three minute songs, you know, or four minute songs. Uh, these these tunes uh, were ones that I. I talked about with the band in advance. We we did much more talking about the music and listening independently and together than ever before, because we didn't we, we didn't have endless resources for recording. We didn't want to go into the studio chasing the idea of the song, the arrangement. We sort of we, we did a lot more rehearsal than we did recording, and that way we we had a dialogue in advance. And then when we came to performing the songs for the for the recording. We didn't have to. We didn't have to worry so much. We just we just let go and played and felt it, you know. So I think that's the best combination of of thought and emotion, really. When when you're thinking as you're playing, it's often cutting you off from the feeling. If you think in advance and agree some things, then you just let fly, and it doesn't mean that it always comes out fast and furious or aggressive or in, or super. Um, it's intense in a different way. It's intense. But it's also intentional intense, if you know what I mean. It's not accidental, coincidental effect. Well, yeah, and there's not a lot about this record that sounds accidental or coincidental, not and not just musically, but also it seems like all of these songs kind of have a thread running through them. They're either from the perspective of a specific person in a specific situation at a specific point in time, or or they're kind of about a couple usually. But I was wondering... You know, was that the thread that you went into? Like, I, I want to make a record that tells kind of these stories. I very rarely have a big, um, a big sort of conceptual notion like that. I mean, we 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 started with about thirty-five songs that were under consideration, and as we listened to them more and. Pete would come back to me and go, you know, I'm really, I really love this stripping paper. I like this one. You know, it's like drummers often say, well, when do I get to hit things? You know, it was like really touching for me that, that, that he, that he, that he came back to me and said, this little detail in the lyrics about the pencil mark measuring the daughter's height, that really gets under my skin. Like I thought, well, okay, I've, I've got an audience of, of a member of the band responding. Maybe that's the thing we should focus on. I said, I said, you know, I didn't, instead of trying to record every song I'd written for over the last 25 years and hadn't, you know, whether I wrote them last week or 25 years ago, it came down to these songs. And it, and then as we started to work on them, we realized that they were often written from other people's point of view. And, and I didn't have any problem with that. I mean, 
maybe the next record will be the last 12 things that happened to me. But this this didn't seem to want to be that record. I, I just felt like it was time to put myself in somebody else's place, trying to understand. And I mean, I suppose that's how Look Now, one of the reasons Look Now is the title is literally an announcement. Like, hey, Look Now, here we are. But the other way of saying it is, there's a lot about gazes and what's contained within gazes, uh, whether or not people are looking at each other uh, in a calculated way or in a, in a way that, that that doesn't have the best of intentions, or whether it's one a look of love or a look of admiration or a look of lust. You know, I mean, these are all described in in different scenarios in these songs, and, and particularly the judgment that uh, I suppose sometimes has been in some of my songs. I felt that that was better attributed to other people. I mean, in the song Burn Sugar, uh, it's a story of a woman trying to put her life together after a divorce. So she's juggling her own life, her own personal life and the own needs of her, of her heart with an ex-husband who doesn't turn up or, or her kids, you know, and whether they are dealing with that divorce the, you know, in in a way that she can manage, and what the neighbors think of her, you know, because she's going out on a date, you know. I mean, that's lots of different points of view in that song. I mean, that's 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 a perfect example of why it's about looking. You know? Well, and and speaking of burnt sugar, there are lots of songs from the perspective of of women, like unwanted number and stripping paper, yeah. and he's given me things. Did you realize when you were making the record, like how? much of the female perspective you were you were kind of putting across well i think uh, most of all uh, uh, i i hope that we were putting out a human perspective i don't have any i don't have a, a special claim to a, a special insight into uh, the, a female perspective it, it it just those were the characters and in folk music which i kind of had a brief um experience of when I was a teenager, you know, you often came across songs that were sung across gender without change, without a change. And it never bothered me. And what bothered me most of all was whether the song rang true. There's a lot of songs in folk music that are written like that. And and in opera for that matter, you know. So maybe I just kind of my experience of music was a little bit different. Uh and I just it just never bothered me that. It really bothered me whether there were whether there was a human voice in it to begin with, because there's probably I think it's the same argument as whether you can understand a, a song in another language. Well, you might not understand that language, but there's something about the sound of the voice and the and the setting of the music that makes you understand what what the intentions are. Isn't isn't that why we listen to music in other languages? We we kind of you know we kind of like the way it sounds. It's not just the exoticism of it. It's it's that you realise that oh yeah those you know we they have laments they have joy they you know it, it's just a different way of saying it. And, I think that's something like this, you know. I mean, I think I'm, I think I know a lot of these things to be true, either because I've observed them or their experiences I've had myself, but I've transposed them into into the into describing them as somebody else's life, you know. So that so that it's another way of telling it that's less selfish. It does seem to be less self-serving. And for this, I just felt these songs came out this way. I can't explain why. I mean. Obviously, I didn't sit down to write them all from all this percent because they've accumulated over a long period. But once I realized that there was a strength to to offsetting it from being, as I say, the last twelve songs things that happened to me, more about you know the other the other title of this record could have been more about me, but 
we wouldn't have had the songs for that record. Would we? You know, let me tell you some more about me. <laughs> I just didn't fancy. I just didn't fancy making that record right now. I want to make this record. Yeah, I still kind of can't believe I got to talk to Elvis Costello, and it went well. So, yay. <laughs> Elvis Costello and the Imposters are on tour. I'll have a link to their tour dates on the show notes page for this episode. And I'll have proper This Song episodes coming at you soon. There'll be a listener episode at the end of October. And then we've got a great season lined up after that. Interviews with people like Sharon Van Etten and Lily Allen. It's going to be good. And that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of This Song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced by me, Elizabeth McQueen. Thanks to Jeff McCord for setting up this interview, to Michael Crawford for helping engineer it, and thanks to Deidre Gott, Peter Babb, and Todd Callahan for all they do for this podcast. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Support comes from Austin Water, helping residents reduce water use while protecting Austin's precious resource during the drought conditions with My ATX Water, providing near real-time water use data, tips, and leak alerts. More at austinwater.org.